It's interesting when I come up with these podcasts, I try to think of the things that I wanted to know when I was a patient. And recently, I came across a patient who listened to my episode about what to expect at your IUI. And they said to me, it'd be really great if you can do one about IVF. I thought that's a great idea. And so today's podcast episode is going to be about what to expect at your retrieval. All thanks because of that patient. I'm Dr. Mark Amos, and this is Taco About Fertility Tuesday. Now, although this podcast is going to be about the retrieval and what to expect on the day of your retrieval, I do want to touch base on what to expect through the IVF process as well. And you probably heard in some of my episodes, the process starts with being on birth control, and then you go through a stimulation where you take medications and you come in for ultrasounds and blood draws. And so I'm going to go over this pretty fast, but generally most cycles start off with some type of priming. That's going to be either birth control, estrogen, progesterone. Some places do where called cold starts, where you just start with your period. And there's pros and cons about that, which you can listen to one of my episodes to find about that. Then you go into the stimulation. Now, during the stimulation, you're going to be seeing your doctor a little more often. Some places see people more often than others. We see people about every other day, sometimes every day if they're stimulating very fast or they're making lots of eggs. Other places, I've seen as much as three, four days between visits. So every clinic's a little bit different. Usually for those appointments, you're going to be having a blood draw. You're also going to be having an ultrasound. And then using that information, they're going to be able to determine what adjustments we need to make for the IVF cycle. During the stimulation and during those ultrasounds and blood draws, your doctor usually is going to tell you when they expect you to retrieve. And so they'll usually be giving you heads up saying, you know, it might be in the next day or will trigger you and your retrieval will then be two days later. Usually your retrieval is within 36 hours of the trigger shot. Now, some people do a 35-hour trigger where they trigger you, let's say, at 9 p.m. at night. And then you do the retrieval at 8 a.m. two days later. That's 35-day, 35-hour trigger, which the purpose of that, if you're worried about someone ovulating too soon, then you would do that type of trigger. But in the end... The process is the birth control, going through the stem, and then we get to the retrieval. So what's going to happen then? The egg retrieval is probably one of the most important parts of this process. That's where you get your eggs. And the process is an invasive procedure, but not as invasive as many people think. There's no camera going to your belly. There's no needle going through your skin. What actually happens is, the same probe that's used to look at your ovaries on the ultrasounds is the same probe we use for the retrieval. And what we do is, looking at the ultrasound, a needle goes on a guide and pokes through the back of the vagina, and the ovary is pressed up against the back of the vagina. And so when we go through that tissue, we then get into the ovary. The distance we're actually going is no more than a centimeter. And when you think of the vaginal tissue, you think, well, how thick is it? It's about the thickness of your cheek. So if you think of like your cheek and you poke your finger at your cheek, that's the thickness of the vagina. Now, when it comes to retrieving the eggs, 
The physician usually is going to clean the area first. So use saline or iodine to clean the vaginal flora. And then they'll place the probe and then they'll start the procedure. Now, there are different techniques of retrieving those eggs. Some doctors will just place the needle into the follicle, which is the sac that contains the egg, and let it drain the fluid from it. Other doctors will turn the needle as they do it. And the thought behind turning is that the bevel is only facing one direction. So by turning it, you're turning it 360 degrees so you can pull fluid from all directions and be able to get the egg from all directions. A third technique some people will do is what's called curtaging, where you take the actual bevel and run it up and down on the follicle trying to knock the cumulus, which actually holds the egg around it, and to be able to then get picked up. I personally use the curtaging technique while also turning the needle. Now what happens is the fluid that's being picked up from those follicles are then transferred over to an embryologist who then looks in their microscope to find the eggs. Now when they see the eggs, it's not the way you think of eggs. There are actually a bunch of cells around the eggs called a cumulus, and that's what they find, and then they take those and put those into another dish. During the retrieval, they'll usually be yelling out the number, number egg number one, egg number two, and so forth. Now this is done on one side, such as the left ovary, and then goes to the next ovary, in this case the right. Between ovaries, usually they'll flush the tube to make sure there's any eggs in the tubing that didn't get out. By flushing it, they have fluid go through it, which is non-toxic to the eggs. And that flush is then handed to the embryologist to look for any eggs in that. Surprisingly, we do find many eggs in the flush. So they're just sitting in the tubing waiting to be flushed away. Once the retrieval is done, a speculum was then placed to look at the back of the vagina where it was poked through to make sure there is no bleeding. Sometimes bleeding can occur and using some chemicals or even pressure, we can stop the bleeding very easily. But what about your part? What do you need to do? Is there anything special you need to eat? Anything you need to prepare for? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. One of the most important things to do is to make sure you take your trigger shot at the right time. If you don't take your trigger shot at the right time, tell your doctor. I have had patients who feel so horrible about it that they don't tell us because they're worried we're going to get upset. Or they come in for their ACG draw the next day to find out if the trigger shot worked and they're told the number's good, so they assume the timing being off doesn't affect it, but it does. So one of the first things is you want to make sure you take your injection correctly and at the right time. And if you don't, let them know. They can then move the retrieval to the right time to make sure you get mature eggs. The night before the retrieval, you're going to want to stop eating or drinking past midnight. Usually they're going to do retrievals in the morning. You don't want to have anything in your abdomen because you're using an undergo anesthesia. Now the anesthesia can be different at different places. So I can only tell you about ours and tell you what you may encounter. We use general anesthesia. That's a medicine called propofol. And what that medication does is it makes you sleepy. You're still breathing, but you're really completely out. Other times, people will use medications that make you comfortable, but you're not asleep, such as Valium and fentanyl. There is no wrong or right, but most doctors are going to use general anesthesia. Now, the interesting thing is, you would think the anesthesia is being given to make you comfortable. And although that's true, that's actually not the main reason. 
The reason you're using anesthesia is we don't want you moving. So I mentioned earlier, this is a very safe procedure. We're only going about one centimeter deep into the ovary to pull these follicles. But the problem is, is that if you're moving around, that needle's in your pelvis. There's blood vessels around that. And if you're moving too much, we could potentially hit a vessel and you could bleed internally. And so one of the main things behind being under anesthesia is to also make sure you don't move a lot. That way, we're able to do the procedure safely. Now, I don't want you to get me wrong. When you do conscious sedation with, with Versed and fentanyl, you are somewhat there, so you can actually make yourself not move. So I don't want you to feel like that's more dangerous. It is definitely not. It's just every place has their own preference. There is no special preparation you need to do for your vagina. Now, I know there are clinics that tell people to douche and they tell them to do things like that, but there is no evidence behind that. And they're just making you do it because that's something they've been doing for a long time. Now, when you arrive, what's going to happen is they're going to start by placing an IV in your arm. Now, they're also going to start by making sure you are you and make sure you're the right patient. But once they get the IV in, then usually what will happen is either your surgeon or anesthesiologist is going to come talk to you about the anesthesia. Usually at this point, you'll already be in a robe and you'll be waiting for the IVF team to come get you for your retrieval. Once it's time to do your retrieval, you'll then be brought over to the operating room where you will then usually be placed in stirrups. And this is because once you're asleep, we don't want to be repositioning you. So usually we have you get in that position yourself. You're comfortable. Your back's not hurting at that point. So we know you're comfortable. And then they put you asleep. It's not unusual for sometimes when the propofol is going into your veins to burn a little bit. Sometimes you even get a weird taste in your mouth. All of this is normal. Now, sometimes they'll put lidocaine in the IV to make it not burn as much. But the point is, is that it is normal. Don't be worried that that's happening, but just let them know and maybe they can slow down or add something to it to make it more comfortable. In addition to the IV, usually they'll place some oxygen on and a few monitors to make sure that you're breathing, making sure your entire CO2 is good, watching your pulse and watching your oxygen saturation. When they feel you are under, then they'll let the surgeon know. And at that time, then they will start the retrieval process, as we talked about, first by cleaning the vagina, then by placing the probe, and third, doing the retrieval. Now, when the retrieval's over, you're going to be waking up, and most people, when they're waking up, think they're at home. So a lot of people are confused. They wake up going, like, where am I? Where am I? And they think they're at home. Once you become a little bit more awake, you realize you're back at the clinic. And then before you leave, the team is going to take care of your pain, and they're going to also take care of any issues you may have, such as nausea. It's not uncommon to come out of the procedure feeling uncomfortable. And sometimes people even have nausea. Usually even after about 30 minutes, this really starts to wear down a lot. Now, some people who have multiple eggs are going to have more discomfort than people who have fewer eggs. But that doesn't mean people who have fewer eggs are going to have no pain. Matter of fact, some of the worst pain I've seen in patients has been people with only one or two eggs. And some of the best patients feel completely comfortable had like 30 eggs removed from them. So it's not just about how many eggs you have. It's more about, was it difficult during the retrieval? Were they maybe closer to a nerve when they were going through the vagina? Or potentially, everyone has different pain tolerances. 
Once the nurse feels that your vital signs are all stable and you're ready to go home, they'll then remove the IV for you to be able to head home. Usually at that point, you'll know how many eggs were retrieved, but you don't know how many eggs are mature. Usually the next day, you'll get a call telling you how many fertilized, and at that point, you'll find out how many of those eggs were mature. The reason they can't tell you on the day of the retrieval is because they have to strip the eggs first from those cumulus cells I told you that were around the eggs to find out which ones are mature. Unfortunately, when you look at them under the microscope at the retrieval, the cumulus cells are around it, and so you can't tell if the egg is mature or not. That won't come until about two to four hours later when they strip the eggs before they fertilize them. For most patients, they need to take that day off, the day of the retrieval. You're going to feel a little uncomfortable. This usually is in severe pain. No one should be at home, curl up in the ball, and not be able to move. If that is true, you need to call your doctor or get to an ER. But if you have some discomfort, like either you got in like a big fight and someone punched you in the stomach a whole bunch of times, or maybe a really bad case of tacos that gave you a really upset stomach, that could be normal. Think crampy and uncomfortable, but not severe pain. Severe pain would not be normal. Sometimes people are a little bit nauseous, and you should definitely let your doctor know that because they can give you medication to help with that. So then the question goes, why is there so much pain? If it's such a small needle and the vagina is not very thick, what is causing all this pain? Well, it's kind of a paradox because when you think about it, if you place this needle into the follicle and you're pulling all the fluid from it, shouldn't there be actually less pain? Because all that pressure that was building up when you were going through IVF is going to be gone now? And that actually makes sense from a common sense standpoint. But in reality, what happens is, is that when you pull the fluid from those follicles, each follicle fills back up with blood. And for that blood to stop bleeding, it tamponades, means the pressure has to build up to stop the blood vessels. And that is what causes a lot of this pain. And so if you have multiple, multiple follicles, every single one of those are filling up with blood and becoming very taut, which then causes that discomfort. So sometimes even people with a couple of follicles can have a lot of pain. Usually people with lots of follicles will have more discomfort. Again, not to the point that you can't walk, but to the point that you don't maybe want to go running or walk. If you're vomiting, that isn't normal if you can't keep foods down or fluids down. And you definitely want to call your doctor or potentially get to an ER. It's important to know that most people do just fine. Most people go back to work the next day and have no issues. On the day of your retrieval, if you have a partner who is going to be giving sperm, they will usually give sperm that day. If you're using donor sperm, then usually that sperm will be thawed and used that day. Most of the time, we do not give pain meds for people to go home with because usually people don't have that much pain. And if someone did, I would want them to come back to reevaluate them because that would be unusual. Some clinics may do it. I don't know. We at our clinic only give pain meds when it's absolutely needed. Otherwise, I prefer a patient to come back to the clinic if they're having severe pain so I can evaluate what's going on. After the retrieval process, the next day, as we talked, you'll get a call telling you how many fertilized, and then usually they'll call you on the fifth or sixth day telling you how many of them became blastocysts. At our clinic, we are a freeze-all clinic, which means we freeze all the embryos and we do not do fresh transfers. If you are at a clinic that does a fresh transfer, then on that fifth day, you will then transfer the embryo or embryos. Usually, they'll have you start progesterone right after the retrieval. But again, since we do frozen transfers, we do not do that. We wait till their period after the retrieval, and then we do the transfer. So for example, at our clinic, after the retrieval, approximately two weeks later, you'll get your period. At that point, you then start estrogen 
usually on the second day, and you continue that estrogen and come in for an ultrasound later, about two weeks to see that the lining's getting thick, and then we move forward with the transfer. Hopefully this was helpful for some of you who maybe are going through IVF or about ready to do a retrieval and can learn a little bit more about the process. Sometimes knowing a little bit more makes it a little less stressful. Using this same idea, we'll do a couple more such as what to expect at your transfer and what to expect at some of your tests. As always, if you enjoy this, please tell friends about us, give us a five-star review on your favorite medium, and keep listening. I look forward to talking to you again next week on Talk About Fertility Tuesday. <laughs>